there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me as ever is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going? I am good, thank you. How about yourself? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. It's quite chilly in here, but you'll be pleased to know that after your sheer disgust, frankly, at my uh, coffee drinking habits last week, I have swapped out the coffee, coffee, coffee for a cup. A mug, in fact, of fine English tea. Delightful. That's what I like to see. None of that foreign muck. None of that foreign muck, indeed. Uh, We want that great British tea. Yeah, that great British tea. It's all that we will accept here on the Park Rush podcast. What what is the standard of tea like at theme parks? Generally, I find takeaway tea to be pretty repulsive, but have you ever had theme, theme park tea? Tea... Tea generally has uh, been hit significantly globally, I would say, by uh, big coffee. What do you mean by that? Coffee shops, so your Starbucks, your Costas, your uh, Pret, uh, your, uh, don't know, Dunkin' Donuts, maybe. Uh, they do coffee that some people drink for some reason. Because of all of these places, uh, the coffee, you know, becoming the big thing, tea has uh, got worse, but has also got more expensive. Tea used to cost you know pennies you'd go to a tea hut get tea for pennies uh, but now tea drinkers are subsidizing coffee drinkers because a <laughs> cup of tea costs a fortune in comparison this sounds like a long-held sort of grudge that you've been waiting to get off your chest i mean i don't really care that much because i don't drink coffee or tea particularly i only drink tea indoors in my own house but when you could have tea huts that you could just rock up to and get a cup of tea for like 10p because it's just a tea bag and some hot water and now it costs you like two quid it's taking the mick it's worse than house prices quite frankly that's a bold claim but yeah specifically have you ever had tea at a theme park no i i tea i i generally don't like tea in america because they if they do have tea it's twinings and i think twinings is disgusting what about uh, what about at a british theme park have you had tea there did you have tea in Disneyland Paris, you know, when you went and collected our breakfasts in the, in the morning from the weird breakfast hut in the ranch? Was there tea there? I think I did have tea. I think I did have tea. Was that no, did I have tea? tea? No, there was coffee. I'm pretty sure they had coffee. I'm not sure if they had tea. They do it's have. Fra- there's a, France, they there's are sort coffee of a, over there. In Disney Springs, there's a sort of kitchen-y sort of pantry shop. I seem to recall that your know, mum's definitely bought some nice Alice in Wonderland China there before, I I would have to assume that they sell Disney branded tea, and I'd be curious as to how that holds up against kind of the gold standard of teas out there. You know. Uh, Yes, um, we generally uh, take tea with us. I mean, you'd like to think that Alice in Wonderland, if you if you're slapping, you know, the Mad Hatter on your tea bags, you've got to be pretty confident that it's pretty good tea. Yeah, he's got to be up there, right? Mad Hatter's probably charging ridiculous prices, though, because he's mad. You're not wrong. Uh, anyway, that's enough about tea. Uh, this this mug of tea I've got right now, to be honest, is not very nice. I think it's because I don't actually like tea. We're just out of the coffee that I like in the cupboard. So I well, sort of had a, I had a decision to make. It's like, do I have a lesser version of the thing that I like which will in some ways be more disappointing because I'll just be drinking it thinking, I wish this was the other thing. Or shall I have tea, which I go into 
knowing I don't particularly like and I can almost just find some satisfaction in the contempt with which I hold tea as I drink it out of spite. I still stand by the fact that no one actually likes coffee. They've just got used to the taste. <laughs> um, it's the same with beer. People never like it when they start drinking it, but then they feel like they have to, so they keep drinking it, and then they just get used to it. To be fair, I think you are probably onto something. I, I, I took a while to start drinking coffee and beer, in fact. I don't think I had my first pint until I was probably... 18, uh, which I guess is technically the legal age anyway. <laughs> but but like, people don't necessarily stick to that. Just, you know, whisper it. But I can't believe that's it. The, that's the case, I know. And then coffee, for a long time when I started my first job, I was regularly asked when people would do the tea round if I wanted anything. And to be honest with you, I, there was two reasons why I would always say no. One was because I, I genuinely wasn't sure if I'd even like coffee or tea. I mean, I never even grew up liking hot chocolate. Just hot drinks always were just weird to me as a kid. Uh, but then also because I was unsure of how, in fact, to make coffee or tea, I never wanted to accept <laughs> someone else's generosity because then there might come a point where I'd be expected or feel obligated to do the tea round and not know what I was doing. So... Yes, you know, obviously uh, there's a, a lot of controversy in tea making anyway. Uh, so do you put milk in first or milk in second? Do I? I put milk in second and it's the same with coffee. Uh, I, generally speaking, I think that's the right call. Uh, I yeah. think my, the only, my mum does it the, the only other way exception around. to that. Well, so the only exception I would make to that is if you're using a teapot. Right, uh, yes. That's, that's a different situation, I suppose. We also have a yes. very nice... The Alice in Wonderland teapot that is in the kitchen is is actually very nice, but not nice enough to make me want to drink tea. I, I uh, sometimes at university I would make a teapot, you know, like a like a six cupper to myself, uh, uh, and 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 drink it. Good times, absolute rowdy uni student drinking a six cupper a day. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Down it fresher. <laughs> Uh, and as if to kind of uh, expose my contempt for tea even more, I am drinking this tea out of a the coffee is strong in this one mug. So there you have it. Well, there you go. Don't like tea, never have. In more positive news, before we start talking about theme parks, <laughs> uh, which I, I'm told is why we're here. Is that why we're here? Yeah, I, I, guess oh, I don't it is. believe you. I would just also like to put on, on the record, as you did, my admiration, adoration for Back to the Future, the musical, absolutely sensational production. It's on in the West End right now at the Adelphi Theatre on the Strand. It sure is. It's brilliant if you are at all able to see it. Clearly, if you love Back to the Future, if you love the 80s as a decade of movie making and music, uh, and frankly, even if you just want to spend two hours or so with a big old grin on your on, on your face a bit, bit more than two hours then this this is the perfect excuse it's it's so good and it is you know, i'm so glad you liked it i mean obviously the more boxes it ticks for you in terms of you know do you like back to the future anyway do you like the 80s do you like this era of music do you like going to the theater like the more boxes that are ticked the more you will enjoy it but frankly like 
even if only one of those boxes is ticked, like it's such an incredible production. I was genuinely kind of jaw on the floor at points and very, very cool. Loved it a lot. Highly recommend. Yeah. Very well done. Excellent. Can't say anything better, you know. Yeah. And, you know, you get to the point in life where you feel like you've you've seen it all and you've done it all. And I really did think that nothing was ever going to top Tarzan Rocks, the Animal Kingdom classic, when it came to stage productions that I had seen. I mean, can you get better than Tarzan Rocks? I'm going to go with no. Uh, at least that's what I thought until a week ago. And and lo and behold, Back to the Future has, has, has I think, topped it. I think it has topped Tarzan Rocks, which is quite the feat, quite the feat. It's, uh, it's impressive to do that. It really you is. know it must be good. Anyway, theme parks. We talk about theme them on this podcast. Park. Yeah, indeed. Uh, not a ton of news, as there wasn't last week, to be honest, but we had the Muppets Haunted Mansion to kind of save our bacon. This week, I suppose you could say we have an email to partly save our bacon, one we've had kind of tucked away for a, a, a desperate times, if you like, and that's not to uh, slight the email in any way. It's, I'm sure, an absolutely sensational email, as it always is, from Mr Ben. So let's play the correspondence music and dive right in. Josh, you have an email from Mr. Ben. I do. Uh, first of all, sorry, Mr. Ben, this email is over a month old now. Oh, wow. Uh, so apologies, only just getting to it. But uh, them's the breaks, I guess. Um, Mr. Ben writes, Hey, guys, uh, when I heard about the reimagining of Finding Nemo the musical, I was expecting that it would be adding some elements from Finding Dory as that came out several years after the musical was created. However, most of the talk I've heard about the new show is based on union rules around social distancing, so it's more likely cutting some of the parts where the cast are in the audience space and simplifying some complex scenes which require multiple people in close proximity backstage. It's quite a popular show, uh, nearly always at full capacity the many times I've been, so I doubt there will be, be any major changes or cuts. I'll be happy as, so long as they keep the Fish Are Friends song. It was always one of my favourite bits of trivia that the musical was written by the same people as Frozen. And I think it's very noticeable uh, as that song has a lot of musical similarities with In Summer. Um, Yoo-hoo! Ha- <laughs> Big <laughs> Summer Blowout! <laughs> uh, yes, it's interesting that, right? Um, unions, bloody unions, getting Living in the way. unions, oh, can't stand yeah. them. Standing can't up for stand. people's rights. <sighs> bloody unions. I, I guess uh, we should just make clear as well for context, because as you said, it has been over a month, so people might not immediately know what Ben is talking about here. Oh, yeah. It's Finding sure. Nemo the musical, obviously the show at Animal Kingdom. It's been shut since the parks closed the first time for COVID in the spring of 2020. Recently announced that it's going to reopen in a slightly reimagined way. And Disney have, you know, been slowly but surely confirming the return of their various stage shows at the Walt Disney World Parks. Most recently, last week or the week before, the Indiana Jones epic stunt spectacular confirmed to be coming back, I think, in time for Christmas, which is which is good. I don't know if necessarily there are any major changes planned for that one. Of course, it was announced last week as well that Indiana Jones 5 has been delayed by a whole, a whole nother year, which I think surely must mean that this is 
This is topped. No time to die for the <laughs> most delayed film of all time. <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's got it's up there, right? It's got yeah. to be up there. No time to die. You you still thought? Oh, well, I never felt like it was going when it came out. I had a feeling like it was still going to do poorly just because of COVID. Obviously, it came out and it's done absolute gangbusters, and so the they've been vindicated, I guess, to keep pushing it back. I don't think they'll be vindicated with Indy 5, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. I guess we will. I mean, I, I was looking forward to it, you know. I, I can't deny. I mean, regardless of how it was going to end up, and I guess it's difficult to know. It, it could be a train wreck. It could be a pleasant surprise. I genuinely think there's kind of as great a chance either way. But we now obviously have to wait quite a bit longer. Uh, it's, it's basically yeah. 18 months or a bit more now and, until it comes out finally. And that's assuming it doesn't get delayed again. So we'll see, I suppose. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, back to Mr. Uh, Ben's email. Back to Mr. Ben's email. He goes on. How can you not remember In the Big Blue World? It's also the song that plays at the end of the Nemo ride in, living, in the Living Seas. Which I don't think I've well, done to be... Uh, in my defence. Yeah, we, we tend to not do anything in the seas or the lands at Epcot other than soaring, personally. So, uh, soz? Yeah, uh, I think, I, I think uh, I'm the same. I mean, my Epcot experience, as long-time listeners will know, is just another example of how much of a fraud I am when it comes to theme parks. What am I doing here, I, I ask myself on occasion. But, uh, we you all know, do. it is what it is. The only Nemo ride I can say I have vivid memories of is uh, is, the, is Crush's Coaster at Walt Disney Studios Park in uh, it's, Paris. It's the best one, best one. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. I will say, I don't know, uh, obviously they've got the Guardians ride coming into Epcot. Apparently that's the theming of that is that it's a meant to be like an, another world showcase pavilion in a sense. Like we've got all these countries around the world doing their own pavilion and now this is areas of the galaxy doing their own thing at this other pavilion. It's kind of the idea they're supposedly going for with that ride. Okay. Um, what, sort of like a yeah. Marvel World Showcase? Like? like a Guardians Galaxy Showcase. People from the, you know, that we've, you know, the, the planets and the worlds that we've seen from Guardians doing a showcase rather than Marvel doing a showcase. My my Marvel planet knowledge is pretty poor. Like none of the names of the planets that we've been to in the MCU have really stuck with me. To be honest, I, there's no nowhere is the only nowhere. one really that that has kind of stuck with me. And yeah. I, I can't even remember the names of some of the main planets in the Guardians of the Galaxy film. They're kind of irrelevant, right? You don't need to know the planets. No, I guess not. But you don't need to know the planets in just about anything, really. But They'll stick with you if they are interestingly designed, you know, with memorable names. Uh, but for some reason, a lot of the Marvel uh, sci-fi stuff, I, I do struggle with the names, you know. Ask me well, to name the Captain Marvel planet, don't know. Guardians planets, don't know. The, the reason I say is that, you know, the planets in Star Wars, for instance, have significance in the world and the story, right? Yes, uh, and they're, they're very good at creating a sense of place they're all quite visually unique the, which the is, planets uh, in guardians are just places where things happen to the characters right yes like they're just places to set a thing rather than you know having any real significance in the storyline as a planet 
Yes. No. Yes, for sure. Yeah. When I, when I think of Marvel locations, it's it's not it's not the other planets that I remember. It is like Wakanda, which is uh, obviously a far more far more significant, mm. uh, or even somewhere like um, is it Sokovia? Anyway, we're yeah. going wide, wildly off topic, which is not like us. <laughs> yes. So no. we we should sort ourselves out. Yes. Uh, sorry. Uh, sorry, uh, Mr. Ben. Um, he go he goes on. Uh, in terms of fast passes, yes, you could get fast passes for Nemo, as well as every other stage show in Walt Disney World, including The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, and Fantasmic. Not anymore. Uh, they basically. Well, we'll get to that. They uh, they blocked off a certain number of the best seats for fast pass users. Um, this is obviously we were talking about uh, obviously Genie Plus, Lightning Lanes, whatever you want to call it these days, whatever they've rebranded it to now. And how you know was discussing the different tiers and uh, did the shows have uh, fast passes? Uh, and Bing confirms they do. In my opinion, this was only done out of necessity once they added the stupid system of tiered fast passes. I you can't book Dinosaur Everest and Carly River Rapids altogether, as they are all tier one. Due to that, you need a decent number of tier two attractions, and there really aren't many other rides at Animal Kingdom or Hollywood Studios, so they had to fast pass the shows. I'm pretty happy that all of this, all of that is being abolished into a much simpler queue, virtual queue for one ride or pay to skip the queue system as it should bring things closer to normality. It always bothered me recently that there would be 30 to 45 minute wait times for attractions like Figment and Living with the Land that previously would have been five minutes long. It only happens because people have fast passes to those rides as they have a certain number of tier two slots to fill. Anyway, enough of my rambling. Uh, I've been enjoying the photos of Drayton Manor on Twitter and look forward to hearing Josh's report, which is uh, already out because this email is from a month ago. Uh, I went to Drayton Manor. You can listen to the uh, report at parkrush.com. You sure can, yeah. A few episodes back now. I think actually as well, I think last week's episode, and we totally did not mark it in any way, but I think last week's episode was episode 156, which would suggest that's our third year anniversary episode. But... Uh, I don't think that's technically quite right. I think because I think there might have been a, a week where we did two. So maybe, maybe it's this week that's our third anniversary episode. J- I'm not Jungle, quite sure. Jungle Cruise, we uh, the in car review of Jungle Cruise you put up as a numbered episode, which uh, yes. I, I'm totally against, but it's it's, it's done now. Oh, I wasn't consulted, and we'll leave no. it at that. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, I think to, uh, this week would be our uh, official anniversary. I guess so, yeah. Well, the celebration's going to last for 18 months. Um, <laughs> We've yeah, got some episode, fancy popcorn buckets if you want them. Episode one, episode one was, was November 2018, though, actually. And so, uh, I don't know, time is a, is a strange... Have we had a leap year since then? Maybe, maybe that's what's happened. Maybe oh, we I have. I can't remember. Anyway, I, on our debut show, Josh, we discussed the potential construction of an Indiana Jones land at Disney's Hollywood Studios, the future of Shamu at SeaWorld Orlando, and a couple of intriguing patents filed by Universal Creative. Plus, it was once billed as the UK's answer to Disneyland Paris. But what is going on with the London Resort? (laughs) (laughs) Still don't know. That's a very good question. I am still signed up to the uh, mailing list for that, and still nothing has happened. They keep just adding additional documentation for the uh, application submission. Well, you know, 
we will watch it with great interest, as uh, someone once said. Uh, thanks very much to Mr. Ben for his email. You can email us to podcast at parkrush.com. You can also tweet us at Parkrush Podcast, as John Self has a couple of times this past week. One for a review of the uh, rooftop burger from Bar 17 and Bistro at Ad- Adventura Hotel, which is where, uh, from where John joined us for an episode a couple of weeks ago, Aventura Hotel at Universal Orlando. He did speak very highly of this burger on the show and has written a full review for piratesandprincesses.net, which is a very good name for a theme park website. And the burger sounds great. The pictures do indeed match up to what John says. They are, uh, they are very enticing and this looks like a damn good burger. So I would highly recommend seeking that out and then he's also written a a very handy guide for universal's express pass and what might make it worth it for you if you're going there and also the kind of people for whom it may actually be uh, a waste of money and not worth investing in the most eye-catching line from that particular article is the fact that during john's most recent trip to universal orlando where he was for 15 days he rode the incredible hulk coaster 45 times <laughs> which is absolutely four or ins- four to five times i no, 45 is what he says 40, so, you know four, m- maybe he's pulling our leg i don't know i don't know why he would do it's written sincerely so far as i can tell 45 times in 15 days that's quite an astonishing Jeez, effort okay i feel like i need to make a trip there to try and outdo john now uh, I feel like he's thrown down a gauntlet uh, that people need to step up and beat. Yeah, very impressive indeed. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's correspondence. So let's play the music again and then get back to the show. Right. Speaking of Express Pass, big changes to Disney World this past week because Disney Genie has come into operation and Disney Genie Plus and Lightning Lane and all these new ways of skipping queues for rides and getting guidance on how long queues might be. And uh, Josh, you have been trying to sort of get your head around how this has gone down. I think the response, the reaction has been mixed to say the least. And there has also been a fair bit of doubt expressed as to how useful the Genie service really is. I don't know if it's useful before you start talking about what you found out. I don't know if it's useful just to remind people exactly what the differences are between Disney Genie, Disney Genie Plus and Lightning Lane. Oh, God. Uh, Right. Yeah. So uh, Disney Genie is a service on your in your Disney app, my Disney experience that allows you to basically allows the app to curate your day for you so you don't have to worry about ride queue times or when show times are that sort of thing you can leave it all up to your best pal the genie and he will figure it all out for you and lead you uh, around the park to uh, your rides genie plus is a load of nonsense that you shouldn't pay for i mean uh genie plus i can't even remember what genie plus is anymore because they've all blurred into one uh is that what I you what pay? Lightning I think is, it's a fif- it's a flat rate, fifteen dollars a day per person. Is that is that right? And you can, if you pay that, you can get a uh, what would have yes. been a fast pass previously 
for a set yeah. number of rides. You can only get one at a time. Yes. But it very much does work in the same way, I think, broadly speaking, that fast passes did uh, when, at the point that they were phased out. So not the original fast passes where you could just get them to your heart's content, but when they started to say, okay, you can only get one fast pass at a time and that kind of thing. So I think that's what Disney Genie Plus is, but you have to pay yeah, 15 so bucks per person for the privilege. And then there's Lightning it's Lane, which is... a bit like is, Max Plus. I think at, so. At, uh, California, which is, was a paid service and you can only get one at a time and you, you, don't, get to, you don't get a choice over it either. It's, this is your time. Deal with it. Right, yes. And then there's Lightning Lane, which I think is basically the two premier attractions at each park are not included in Genie Plus. You have to pay... A, a specific fee, a set fee a per person again for each of these rides and those prices will change based on the day, the season, how busy it is, the demand and those will be things like Remy's Ratatouille Adventure at Epcot, uh, I think Rise of the Resistance at Hollywood Studios, the e-ticket rides. Yes, um, and, but then obviously yeah. Lightning Lane also corresponds to... Uh, the physical line or queue that you get into with your what was what was the fast pass lane fast pass line queue is now called the lightning lane uh physically as well just to confuse matters now. yeah if you pay for your lightning lane as an as an individual purchase of a lightning lane you use the lightning lane if you by Genie Plus, uh, that is also using the Lightning Lane. Right. So yeah. I think, you know, we've talked about this a few times since it was announced. I think it's something which, regardless of your preconceived ideas about it, which for me are broadly negative, I think the only, the main positive for me is the fact that because it is potentially so expensive, it might just make people ignore it and therefore make the, standard lines move somewhat faster because there are less people pushing in front via the via the fast pass lanes because there are less people using the fast pass lanes because they're too expensive and and that uh, as yeah. a benefit I th I, if that's the benefit it's too expensive <laughs> so people won't bother <laughs> i think that says everything but uh, I, yeah. clearly it's something that ideally we get some experience of ourselves before we sort of pass judgment on it or get somebody on the show who has experienced it. But uh, I guess you've done as much as you can do from afar, which is check out some people's first-hand experience of it. And it seems like regardless of all the payment options, the kind of the, the minimum expectation of the Disney Genie service, which is to provide you with relatively accurate wait times, which will inform perhaps whether or not you want to make a purchase that yeah. doesn't even seem particularly accurate. Is that correct? That is what I am seeing, yeah, from uh, this side of the pond. I think it's important to bear in mind that this Genie service looks like it's coming in hot, absolutely flying in, slamming on the brakes last minute to try and land and go live for you. Uh, I'm Alicia Stella uh, in the week had a little uh, thread where the <laughs> wording on the app changed three times during the day uh, <laughs> that sort of uh you know at one point it had you know, the like pig latin that like example text that you have oh yeah like laura mipson bloody blah, blah yeah at yep. one point that was the text on the page i yeah. also saw that um for a lot of people would get, they throw up like a disclaimer message and I, I you know this you'll get to this i'm sure 
because uh, yeah, the suggestion seems to be that the wait times provided by Genie aren't, aren't always particularly accurate. But it's almost as if the app is aware of that because it also throws up a disclaimer message that says something like, oh, don't, don't make purchasing decisions based on what based on what genie says the wait times are which is seems ridiculous like if you can't make your purchase decision based on what disney say the wait time is what are you making your purchasing decision yeah. based on i want to spend money <laughs> yeah uh, seems to be the case yeah so i i uh you know so we've had um john on he writes for uh touring plans a lot um, I have used touring plans in the past and I, I've always quite liked touring plans. It is a paid service and it gives you pretty accurate advice on, you know, how busy the parks are going to be, what the queues are like, pretty live what the queues are like, guides on getting the best experience out of the park, like, you know, you know, interactive guides that like you plug in the rides you want to do um, and then it will take you around and make sure that you try and get in as many of those rides as possible during your day. So... Genie is fundamentally a direct competitor to uh, this touring plans application, right? Because they're mm. fundamentally doing the same thing, trying to take you around the park, get the best out of it as you want. Uh, one video that I will talk directly about is a touring plans video where uh, they did a side-by-side, a, a Genie versus touring plans side-by-side uh, -side test, uh, sent two people out into Magic Kingdom, uh, one using Genie, one using the touring plans. And what they did is, uh, in touring plans, they set out 12 attractions. Those 12 attractions are Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin, Haunted Mansion, Small World, Jungle Cruise, uh, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, Peter Pan's Flight, Pirates, Seven Dwarfs, Space Mountain, Space M Splash Mountain, Under the Sea. Uh, and on the Genie side, they selected uh, Must Do on these tw same 12 attractions. So it's like, I have to do these rides today to get to enjoy my day. They started off at 9.30 in the morning so that you had no like rope drop uh, benefits and, and just sent them off to see, you know, what would happen. And quite frankly, I would say that it didn't come off too well for Genie. If you're looking, if you're purely looking at it as a get me around as many of these rides as possible in the day, out of those 12 attractions, Genie only got the round two. Big Thunder and Jungle Cruise. I'm I'm going to kind of ignore the touring plans stuff for the most part because I'm not going to. We're not a hashtag ad here. We're you know that they are not paying us. Um, yes, I, I suppose you know there will be people out there who are inherently skeptical of a of a of a piece of calling it a piece of research is maybe <laughs> pushing a little a little bit. But you know this this experiment that claims to be an accurate representation of the performance of these two services uh, is being done by uh, one of these two services. So, you know, yeah. perhaps take it with a, a pinch of salt to an extent, but uh, this does, th their findings in fairness do seem to reflect the issues that others have been reporting with Genie and that it is not, you know, regardless of how accurate touring plans might be, it seems that Genie is not super accurate i saw and i can't remember her name now people who listen to this probably do know what i'm talking about but there's a problem i think orlando orlando sentinels theme park journalist essentially i saw her tweeting saying that you know she she was using genie queuing up for rides and, and would 
quite regularly end up being in the queue sort of 15 minutes less than what Jeannie said. Yes. And, you know, um, if you were being generous, I would say, I think, you know, you'd rather Jeannie say it's longer, th- a bit longer than it is than uh, than a bit shorter than it is. You'd be annoyed if Jeannie said it's a 15 minute wait and you go over there and you're queuing for half an hour. When it's the other way around, you know, you, you almost feel like you've gained time because you're sort of right. Jeannie says this is a half an hour wait. The ride will take 10 minutes. So that we're writing off the next 40 minutes to do this ride. And then we'll, we'll, we'll see what we do after that. And then if you end up getting off that ride 20 minutes earlier than you thought, because the queue was shorter, it, all, it, it almost feels like you've gained time. Uh, so, you yeah. know, it, it's not the worst thing in the world that Jeannie is inaccurate in that it gives you longer queue times than they actually are. But clearly... I suppose you would be a bit... I think it all comes down to whether or not you are, you feel compelled to pay because of what Genie says the queues are. That, that's where, the, that's where yeah. the issue lies, really. And I know even though the app tells you not to do that, it just feels like silly advice because if you, if you, if you can't <laughs> yeah. follow you know, the guide, as I've already said, if you can't trust the wait times and use those to inform your purchasing decisions, what can you use? It's like, what can it's, you trust? It just yeah. seems very silly to me. Yeah, I mean, so this is this video that I watched where they went through the test data. I'm pretty happy with it. I think they've done a good job uh, in researching this. Um, from my understanding, they've always done a very excellent job throughout the history of touring plans of getting accurate information and, and being honest with that data. Uh, this video is now long. If you're interested in more detail, certainly watch it. I think one of the key points, as they pointed out, is that it didn't update. Once you've been on the ride, it didn't update to see that like to recognize that you've been on the ride it just assumed you were still on the ride until that 40 minutes was up if that makes sense so if if you're right. if you go to jungle cruise and the genie app says it's a 40 minute queue and you're done within 15 minutes it doesn't then go oh you're done let's go on the next thing it waits until that 40 minutes is up before giving you your next thing okay so you kind of have to like force it yeah. force through through the system sort of thing also so uh for example they went on a fair few things uh on the genie app but uh so they went to jungle cruise first then it took them on swiss family treehouse as a second thing in the day like <laughs> it's a it's a walk-on at any point of the day wasn't yeah. on the top the 12 things that they wanted to do then it was uh then tom sawyer island for like and it recommended Tom Sawyer Island before Tom Sawyer Island had even opened. This feels a bit like when sort of uh, when Apple Maps first launched, and it was clearly yeah. just in a total state. And yeah, I, I have no qualms really with Apple Maps now. Like, however many no, years strong. later, like it's pretty good. And and maybe Genie gets to that point as well. But yeah, I think right, so. Yeah, right now it just feels very very silly and of course it will get better like these kinds of services of course need real world data and uh real world experiences to inform the kind of advice and and uh and detail that they give to the users so of course it will get better but of course the the key difference here you know to keep the apple maps comparison is that at no point was apple maps charging you for you know (laughs) better directions or more yeah. detailed directions you know genie is potentially <laughs> potentially a paid service so the issues that it has are uh, are more yeah. pronounced really um, it, 
It also it made some really weird thing decisions as well. Like so, it recommended uh, Philharmonic. It's a good show. You know, I, I would also recommend uh, oh Philharmonic. Sorry, I th- not Philharmagic. Yeah. The uh, no. Oh, I, I apologise. Which then, which also wasn't running at the time. It, it okay. Didn't come, it didn't, uh, there wasn't a showing until three o'clock. So it's like a two-hour wait or something. That's not. And great. then it was just like, oh, and then and then just kind of hang around Main Street for some cavalcades. <laughs> and it's like, uh, no, I want to go on these twelve rides, please. Yeah. Uh, did it, it go like? I genie recommends a loo break. I don't need to go, genie. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would recommend you go. I don't need yeah. the loo. I, th- I think you should try. <laughs> yeah. You sit on it long enough, you'll thank me. Yeah. So instead of doing the show that wasn't running. Uh, the touring plans person went to uh, um, the uh, TT, uh, what's the ride? Um, the People Mover, sorry. And then rode that and then it like, and then updated and then forced it to update. And it was like, oh, you're in Tomorrowland now. Maybe we should do Space Mountain while we're here. So then it did Space Mountain. Uh, it seems like you have to be quite aggressive with forcing it to do uh, <laughs> the things that you want to do, which kind of... Defeats the object. Yeah, it sounds like you're dealing with sort of a puppy or something. Like, no, yeah. no, I no, genie, no, I don't, no. Also, uh, the Haunted Mansion was shut when it recommended to go, like, it, it broken down, but it still recommended that they went and went on the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a broken down Haunted Mansion is is probably still among the elite rides in, in, well, the, yes. in, in the world, you know. It's, it's that good. But uh, yeah, yeah, they have that information. They know when it's not running. Mm. Yeah. So why not change that recommendation? I, I think there's there's clearly a lot of work that needs to be done. If they're aggressive with their updates, which hopefully they will be, I, you know, by the time you go, Tom, I could see this being a completely different uh, app. Yeah, I look. I you know. Clearly, it's it's not great. It's not ideal that something like this would launch in a pretty rough state but it is somewhat inevitable as i've already said and again as i've already said the issue the bigger issue is that you know any any money that you put into this will reasonably for a lot of people be based on the information that is being served up by the app and if that is not accurate or questionable not giving guests the best advice then then it you know it shouldn't necessarily really be even offering a paid service within it until the the basics, the free tier, is sorted and running smoothly. Because I think a lot of people will yeah. end up getting screwed out of a bit of, a bit of money. And I don't personally think that a disclaimer in the app telling you not to make purchasing decisions based on the advice in the app. I don't think that cuts it. Frankly, I think if the app is not up to standard, it's not good enough just to say, just to almost admit that and still offer you the chance to pay for stuff. I think you should just take that out until yeah. it is fit for purpose, which it clearly isn't at the moment. Yeah. Weirdly as well, I'm going to say it, and again, not an ad, but the touring plans, kind of expected wait times are more accurate than Disney Genies are. Yeah, that, that's um, also so if, an if third issue. Party can do it, if a third party can do it better than you, then you've got some issues that need solving yeah although i suppose you know at the very least that is free right on genie you know the wait times clearly yes. everyone gets the wait times touring plans wait time services behind a paywall correct yeah absolutely but you know it's it's uh week one 
not even a week old uh, as of recording, and I think even as it, as this comes out, this this won't quite have had its first full week yet. So, plenty of time for this to improve. But I, you know, clearly, uh, it's it, Disney will be hoping for and expecting. I think a busy period with the fiftieth anniversary. We've got Thanksgiving coming up, then we have got Christmas, and then I think when we get into twenty twenty one, assuming everything is relatively okay with the pandemic, then they will. Ha- start hoping to see international tourists reach the sufficient confidence levels to start going as well yeah. and start welcoming, you know, more Europeans, more British tourists. And at that point, you know, this really needs to be working as as advertised. So, yeah, uh, and, and fingers crossed. And I think, uh, you know, the more people use it, the more data they can collect on how it's working and mm. the more they can improve it. That's, uh, that's all the important things there for sure. Yeah. We will watch this with great interest. Uh, just a couple other bits of Disney news. They relate to Disney+. Plus. There's yet another documentary series that will uh, encompass some theme park stuff uh, coming to Disney+. Plus. It's Adventure Through the Walt Disney Archives. It's coming to Disney+, Plus on November 19th. Uh, it was originally a, a uh, D23 perk, which uh, was released uh, midway through last year, but is now coming to, to all on Disney Plus, cool. uh, so that could be something worth keeping an eye on. And then, as well, it's been reported, I think, by Deadline or the Hollywood Reporter. It is Deadline uh, report that a movie about Disneyland is being developed. And again, this will be for Disney Plus, uh, and it will—I I guess it will be almost like a biopic kind of thing. And uh, it will be interesting to see sort of exactly what form this takes. I, th- I think the implication is. Well, the insinuation from the report by Deadline is that Walt Disney himself will be a character in this film. So, do they get Tom Hanks back from uh, oh. from the uh, Mary Poppins film? Um, oh, man, that'd be uh, awesome! If they saving did. Mr. Banks. You know, is he is he the Walt Disney for these kinds of things? I, I don't know. He'd he'd be my go-to, I think. Uh, but then, who, rather, who, who else do you get? Who else do you um, who else do you get? Maybe. Maybe, uh, what about the guy who plays Tony Stark's dad in... Okay, yeah. He's quite a good match uh, physically, you know, uh, especially with yeah, the moustache. Uh, Howard Stark, is it? Yeah, that's the character's name. I don't know what the actor's name is. Not not um, not, not young, young Howard, Howard Stark. Stark. Not, not what's his name? Who's that? He was in Mamma Mia. What was, who's that guy? Um, Dominic Cooper. Uh, not, not him. The slightly older Howard Stark that you see in... Uh, like Endgame in the flash in the in the time travel bit in Endgame, and I, I think in the Winter Soldier, right? You get no uh, Civil War. You see him getting killed by Bucky. Is that is that? Yes, that's the same actor. Uh, and he's in like some of the videos as well, isn't he? Like um, it, is, it is Iron Man two, isn't it? When they're doing the I don't remember really Man? much about Iron Man two at all. Iron Man two is the one with. Uh, Mickey, Mickey Rock, the Russian. Mickey Rock, yeah, because they have the Stark Expo and and there's video of uh, oh, old older Stark Expos, uh, and his dad is going through it. Right, yeah. I think I don't I don't really know to be honest. M- most interestingly to me is that uh, this is apparently going to be directed by David Gordon Green, who did the 2018 <laughs> comeback Halloween film and also Halloween Kills. So, I don't know, maybe this is like Michael Myers is hunting Walt through Disneyland. 
Uh, I, I could go for that, you know. Michael Myers trades his mask for a, a Mickey Mouse get-up. Yeah. Just goes around the park uh, picking people off. It, that was John Slattery, by the way, who played Howard Stark. Oh, okay. Yeah, John Slattery has walked Disney, yeah. maybe. I mean, it, Tom it's, Hanks... It's a similar sort of character, right? Tom Hanks be a bit old to play Walt Disney. This this Tom Hanks must be in his 60s by now. When was Mary Poppins? When was Mary Poppins? 50s, I reckon, or early 60s, Mary Poppins? I had to guess. Mary Poppins, 64. So 64. he would be, which is 10 years after, well, more or less 10 years after Disneyland opened. So, right, yeah. Yeah, that is correct, yeah. They could do uh, The Irishman and D.H. Uh, hey? <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, th- this sounds, you know, potentially interesting. As I say, an interesting choice for director at the very least. I mean, he also, I mean, this guy is not just known for the Halloween films. It should be stressed. <laughs> he did do, uh, he did Pineapple Express. So, you know, he, he, okay. he's got range, uh, but I just like the idea of someone barreling from a Halloween trilogy into a movie about Disneyland. It's, it's a bit of total whiplash for him there. Yeah. Uh, a generally uh, poorly conceived Halloween film as well, right? Well, the 2018 uh, one was pretty good, actually. I, I quite okay. liked that one. And it did some, it was an interesting take on the formula. It kind of deconstructed the slasher film and had, you know, something interesting to say about it. From what I've heard, Halloween Kills is really not very good at all and uh, like on its own merits is not very good. And as a sequel to the 2018 film, it's even more disappointing because it just feels like right. it didn't apply all the lessons learned from that first one. And it's, yeah, I mean, I'm going to see it, I think, but more just out of morbid curiosity than sort of genuine excitement at this point. Which He's also you know, the director on Halloween Ends. Yes, I think they've already filmed that one. I think they filmed them at the same time, and uh, right, yeah. that, that should have been coming out. The I think Halloween Kills was was a, was going to be twenty twenty, and then Halloween Ends would have been twenty twenty one. They've just got knocked a okay. year by uh, COVID. Yeah. So, uh, uh, he yeah. he was also director on a couple of uh, episodes of a couple of shows that I also like. So, uh, oh okay, you know, like yeah. like what uh, Red Oaks uh, was quite an early Amazon Prime series. Uh, and then Mythic Quest, Raven's Ban- Banquet, he did a few episodes on as well. He did the pilot, for example. Is that the Apple TV one about the game developer? Yes, with right. uh, Rob McElhenney, the owner of that uh, Welsh football team. Uh, speaking of scary things like Halloween, Fear Factor Live oh. at Universal Studios Florida, it's not going to come back. It's not going to come back. And and it feels like in, in the you know Disney, slowly but surely, and I think you know we knocked Disney a little bit uh, for sort of you know perceived cost cutting in some ways compared uh, to Universal uh, in the early part of the pandemic and coming out of the worst of it that was kind of the narrative but actually you know as we said earlier Disney slowly but surely bringing their stage shows and, and such back online feels like Universal actually are kind of doing the opposite and slowly but surely confirming that they're not coming back and Fear Factor Live is the latest example of that so that's not. Yeah, I think Fear back. Factor needs to go. I think Fear Factor outstayed its welcome for me personally. Oh yeah, I think I think so as well. I mean, people have pointed out that actually the the, the greater implication of this is not necessarily the fact that oh no, Fear Factor's gone. It's that oh actually that's quite a big space that they use for Halloween Horror Nights, which is going to be gone, and whether or yeah. not this will have a big impact on on the scale of Halloween Horror Nights going forward, because the rumours are. And I think Alicia Stella has reported this. The rumours are that this will 
big this this plot this bit of land at the park will will see uh will become part of diagon alley or or at least you know harry potter themed in some way and then expand that out to the stage and there's talk of a possible virtual reality broomstick ride which uh interesting you know to be honest with you for me i mean i like the harry potter rides just fine you know i really do i'm obviously very excited to do hagrid but certainly on the universal side what i love most about the harry potter stuff there is is the land itself and just the attention to detail the theming the shops the food it's just it's really incredible and you know every time i queue for the hogwarts express on that side or or come out that side you know the whole king's cross aesthetic and then coming out onto the london street yeah it's phenomenally well done so the you know the fact that they're potentially broadening out harry potter it's not so much the ride that i'm excited for mainly because as i've said many times on here i I just find the idea of vr theme park attractions a little bit unappealing at the best of times let alone in a in a pandemic era uh, or even this hopefully post pandemic at this point but you know yeah it will very much be just the excitement around the uh expansion of that diagon alley area or, or you know the london street area depending on how exactly they do it uh that will be exciting to me i i think that will be fun because that kind of walk from the end of the london street round the corner towards fear factor live like it's kind of dead you know there's not really anything there it's just a thoroughfare round to the fear factor yeah. live which chances are most people walk straight past anyway and keep going off towards you know men in black or whatever so yeah for sure feels like there's there's definitely uh some cool stuff that you know there's to all intents and purposes unused space there already that they can hopefully do something cool with regardless of the ride that ends up going in there it will just be uh just be fun to see what they do with the space yeah 100 percent um i wonder it'd be interesting if they do do an extension to diagon alley what exactly they put in there right yeah because you've obviously already i mean you, you think of the of landmarks of diagon alley and you know try, i've seen the read the books or seen the films for a while but you know you, you've already got the one shop haven't you that's already in there yeah and you've already got green gots you've already got the little side street nocturne alley um yeah i, th- I, f- I feel like uh nocturne alley gets uh could they could do more with nocturne alley personally but uh yeah maybe it's not so much the, an expansion for diagon alley maybe it is kind of the london side that i mean that would make sense i suppose yeah um but, yeah i don't know obviously there's that is there is that great kind of bit at the end of or oh, what is it the beginning uh, i should say of half prince is it or is it the one before that or the one after that I can't even, whichever one it is, where they all dress up as or all take polyjuice potion to be Harry Potter. Oh yeah, yeah, that is good. So fun. maybe it's uh, maybe it's themed around that. Yeah, know? quite possibly. Yeah, that's a good shout actually. If it does end up being a broomstick ride, yeah, yeah, like that. I mean, that would be a great setup, right? Like the guests show up and we are all taking polyjuice potion to become Harry Potter and fool the Death Eaters and then hopping on our brooms and flying around London getting chased. There you go. Yeah. Nailed it, Josh. Sick. Nice one. Done. That could work very well, actually. Hopefully, you get to, as they do in the film, fly off towards the Dartford Crossing and see a Dartford red bus. Yes. How cool would that be? Go through the tunnel. Oh, yeah. Imagine if we get to go through Dartford Tunnel. Yeah. If we can't get a theme oh. park in Dartford, you put Dartford in a theme park. <laughs> uh, what do you think happens first? We get our theme park in Dartford, and I, I'm talking about the London Resort, which we will absolutely claim as a Dartford theme park if it happens. I mean, it, it technically, I think, will be in the Dartford borough, so we will absolutely claim yeah. that. 
Uh, do you think that happens first, or do you think this ride is real? What we've just said is potentially what happens, oh and you get your Dartford bus in uh, Orlando. <laughs> I think at this point it's pretty... Uh, I'd, I'd say odds are pretty even. It's touch and go, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, you, uh, couldn't, you couldn't throw either way, I don't think. No. They should sign a deal where... You know, if we do fly over the Dartford Crossing in the Harry Potter broomstick ride, if you if you look if you know where to look, you can see the London Resort being built <laughs> off in the distance. Uh, speaking of more scary things, not not necessarily theme park news, but of course, uh, you know, it's not just Disney v Universal v Busch Gardens v Sea World v Legoland when it comes to Florida. It's also v iDrive itself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. which does have a few uh, extreme thrill rides dotted around uh, just off iDrive. And, uh, the heavy hitter. We, we now have the world record drop ride coming to uh, iDrive. Orlando Freefall at the Icon Park. It's going to be uh, 430 feet. And Josh, you were relaying to me before we started some of the other stats associated with this thing. It's going to be a hell no from yes. me. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it's the tower is 430 feet tall, uh, but the drop is 400 feet. That's um, two Sheikras. It's two Sheikras. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, you <laughs> tilt forward 30 degrees uh, before Ooh. dropping the nearly 400 foot, uh, and it's over 75 miles per hour. Yikes. Yeah. Well, I guess actually, I mean, I said two Sheikras there. It's a nice round number there, 200 feet times two. That's some maths for you. But I guess the, the better comparison would be the uh, Falcon's Fury at Busch Gardens, which I think is, is taller than Sheikra, I'm I'm 99% certain. I don't know exactly how tall that is, but I guess this would be the more obvious point of comparison, given that it's a drop tower. That, that does also rotate you so that you're looking straight down at the ground that ride is incredibly scary to be to be frank yeah uh, but yeah this just sounds is, obscene the drop on falcon's fury is 310 foot oh really oh wow i mean that, yeah. that is that's very high that's that's even higher than i thought it was actually but uh, yeah this is another yes. another yeah this is close to 400 this thing so Oof. yeah i'm just trying to see Oof. 60 miles an hour ouch is Falcon's Fury. Yeah, uh, this is 75. So you're going to be dropping yeah, an extra and, 80 to 90 feet-ish and, yeah, an, yeah. an extra 15 miles an hour on your top speed. So um, uh, and, that's, and you pull uh, yeah, 3.5 yeah. Gs on Falcon's Fury as you try and, as you break at the bottom. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, Falcon's Fury is, is more than enough. I don't, I don't need any more uh, than that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing here is that uh, oh, I think it's it's going to be like twelve bucks to ride the ride because um, it's a pay per ride system at Icon Park. Like I think the Ferris wheel, which is kind of like the uh, London Eye, is twenty eight pounds, uh, twenty eight bucks per person. And they've they've got some other things like if you go on the wheel and do Madame Two Swords, it's forty bucks per person. You could uh, you could get about like three lightning lanes for that, Josh. Yeah. If you do the wheel, Madden Two Swords and Sea Life Orlando, it's fifty bucks. What's the uh, you know the upside down house 
in, in Orlando. Have you, have you driven past that yes. before? Is that 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 must yeah. be one of those um, things, right? That's got to be one of those. Uh, I don't know if that, is that still there because it used to be a Ripley's, believe it or not. I believe I think it's still um, there. It's it's near the uh, it's uh, Wonderworks now, I believe. Uh, if I just oh, pulled yes, this map up yes, yes, uh, Wonderworks. To be fair, it's been Wonderworks as long as I can remember personally, but I always remember uh, we would drive Ripley's past that when next door, there was yeah. some sort of shopping area that we would visit very occasionally they had a toy shop there which was just it was an extraordinary toy shop especially if you're you know if you're a kid running around there it was amazing <laughs> it was, you know it was, it was even even more elaborate than than say hamley's but it was it was mad expensive like even back in the day where the exchange rate basically meant you could get you know I bought so many Spider-Man action figures back in the day because I could just walk around Walmart going, Dad, you're telling me that this $12 Spider-Man is £6? And he'd be like, yes, son. And I'd be like, hell yeah, give me six. But in this particular toy shop, which was, in, as I say, in this shopping area, not far from the upside-down house, uh, everything in there was way more expensive. There was some crazy premium on absolutely everything, but... Uh, yeah, there is like a, sm- a very small sort of place next door, which is mainly uh, restaurants these days. Yeah. I would, I would uh, love, you know, someone who's more familiar, you know, w- w- with this part of Orlando, or is just more knowledgeable than myself. If if they know what I'm talking about when I say this toy shop in this shopping place near the upside down house, please enlighten me. Because, uh, yeah, I, I do have memories of it from when I was much, much younger, but we've not been up around there for a really long time. So, Well, my uh, one of my, uh, going back again, uh, favourite things was there was a sports shop on iDrive, which used to have these two absolutely massive uh, like sports players out front. And now it seems to be called Bronze Kingdom, whatever that is. And the reason it's called Bronze Kingdom is because the guy was, who ran the uh, sports shop was into some dodgy things. He was doing some smuggling or something. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And so the shop was shut down. Then it became a, like a fun zone, like a fun spot kind of thing uh, with like dodgems inside or something. And now it's a random thing called Bronze Kingdom Museum. Uh, one of the, uh, interestingly, this is biz- kind of bizarre. One of the guys out front, who what? so it was a basketball player right so he's got basketball gear on he had a basketball on in his hand uh, then it turned into a whirly dome apparently which is this like fun spot kind of thing and under his hand was now a football even though he's still wearing basketball gear <laughs> uh, and now he is like like a a mongol bad guy like a he's kind of like a mongol kind of character a mongol warlord like holding a tennis yeah. racket he well, they've covered the they've covered the football up in a rock, so he's just kneeling down <laughs> on a rock. It's uh... brilliant. Uh, yeah, I when you started talking about a big sports shop, with big sports people outside, I, I, it, it, I did start racking my brain, and it's probably the type of thing where if I saw a picture of it, maybe I would, maybe it would all come flooding back. But uh, yeah, I believe there's a video on YouTube about the downfall of it. Uh, oh, there probably is. There's a video on YouTube, like a Yesterworld or something. Okay, maybe I'll seek that out after this. Uh, the last two bits I just wanted to flag: get away from Universal and and Disney a little bit more as well. Yeah, here. no one likes them anyway. No, oh, nobody does. Legoland Florida. They've announced a new ride for next year: Pirate River Quest. A bit unclear. I mean, also. Um, made aware to me by reading this article that Legoland Florida is now 10 years old, which is mad. I mean, it doesn't feel like it's been there that long, but clearly it has. 
Doesn't well, seem technically like technically the park's been there for even longer than that. But, oh yeah, uh, as Cypress not... Gardens or whatever it was. Yeah, and then it was something before that, and something before that. Yeah, but it's been Legoland for ten years. It doesn't seem like, based on this trailer they've put out, which doesn't show anything of the ride. It's it's just a little <laughs> tone piece, really. It's quite fun stop mo- stop motion film. It doesn't seem like yeah. it's uh, you know linked to the pirate guy from the Lego Movie or anything like that. It is a. Uh, it's, it's pure Lego. It's 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 not themed to any specific character or anything. So, yeah, we'll see what that turns into. I, I personally, you know, just just remake the Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean with Lego. You know, that's, that seems uh, like something they should yeah. do. That would be fun. Um, on Theme Park Insider, uh, Russell, one of the writers there, has asked uh, whether it might be just a retheme of a boat ride that already exists, which is a currently called the battle of bricksburg boat ride but robert the editor there uh believes it's a new installation so uh oh okay have to wait and see hope for more details yeah indeed and then the other thing of course six flags magic mountain of three ninjas fame as we all know and love yeah Uh, they have said that their new world's tallest and longest single rail roller coaster uh, will be opening next year uh, it's themed to Wonder Woman, uh, which I didn't know. Uh, Wonder Woman Flight of Courage is what it will be called. Yes. And yeah, that's coming in 2022 to mark the uh, to mark Magic Mountain's 20th roller coaster installation. So that's a major milestone for them. And yeah. It looks cool. Looks like it would be incredibly smooth, like almost, yeah, kind of shockingly so, in, in all honesty. So hopefully we'll sort of manage to create a, a relatively good sensation of flight if it's as smooth as it looks yes those um the monorail style uh roller coasters always look kind of fascinating to me yeah i've never done one it's really but cool I, I would like to and uh yeah that's everything on my list for this week josh i don't know if you've got anything else to add before we wrap up uh, this here park rush podcast just to say that looking at this, uh, I think we mentioned it earlier in the year, but it looks a little bit like Jersey Devil, which is going into Six Flags Great Adventure. Oh, yeah. Is um, that? I think I think we might have covered that partly at work a few yeah. uh, months ago because it, it was sort of which setting is, some records and had a pretty cool-looking POV that they put out. Yeah, and that is a... It's identical in terms of... Uh, start, like It's a single... It's a monorail style, uh, single file uh, ride, and this and the, I mean, for the most part, from the photos, obviously, if you got in closer, it might be different, but it looks near identical. Cool. Well, that's going to do it. Ended up being a pretty packed show. We've gone for quite some time here. If you've made it this far, thanks very much for listening. And if you haven't subscribed already, then you can do so on your preferred podcasting app you can also of course listen to every episode at parkrush.com and find the show notes with links to the stuff we've talked about at newhighscore.co.uk as we mentioned earlier if you'd like to get in touch with the show you can email podcast at parkrush.com tweet at parkrush podcast or you can send us a voice note the link to do so should be in the description on the app uh, in which you are listening to this Uh, that's going to do it we'll be back next week for more see you then take it easy Goodbye. See ya.